We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time for another preview of the Knicks' upcoming matchup on Tuesday night against the New Orleans Pelicans, who come in at 34-24 and 24 on the season, a very comparable record to what the Knicks have on the year, and have gotten there a very different way than the Knicks have. So we'll talk all about it and preview it in just a second. I should mention we're recording this during the Pistons game, so I don't know the outcome. I am hoping that it is what I, I would like it to be, but obviously you will know by now what happened in the Pistons game, so we'll see. Uh, but join Joining me to preview this matchup on uh, Tuesday night at the Garden against the Pelicans from Boot Crew Media. He runs their Pelican spaces, Mr. Chris Connor. Chris, welcome to the Knicks Film School podcast, sir. Pleasure to be here, man. Appreciate the invite. Of course. Thank you for joining me. And I, I hinted at it in the intro, this Pelicans team that is 34 and 24. Every single time I do an advanced stats check, I look at net rating and and see like where the Knicks are and they're hovering around six or seven. At one point, they got to five. And I'm just like, the Pelicans are right there, too. Like this yeah. Pelicans team that seems to go under the radar. There's nobody in really there's nobody in the awards considerations. Zion and CJ and uh, Brandon Ingram, none of them really considered for all-star conversations. And yet they're just sitting there with a, with a decent record in the mix with Dallas and Sacramento and all these other teams that get talked about a ton. And they're just a top seven team, according to net rating. Uh, if I can ask you about the vibes in new Orleans earlier in the season, the Knicks haven't played the Pelicans since the first, since the third game of the year. So a lot's changed, but you know, how are, how are fans in New Orleans feeling about this Pelicans team? Um, yeah, you know, I think it's a it's somewhat of a mixed bag. You know, you have a um, and I'm, I'm sure it's relative to what we'll talk about as the show goes on about expectations. And I think, you know, it's really all about for, you know, um, pretty much all the fan base. It comes down to what your expectations were of this team. I think the one of the things that's making people, I would say, excited or positive is the fact that they've had relatively good health. Mm. While while CJ just 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 sprained his ankle, he just went through a full practice, so he's actually questionable for um, tomorrow's game. But the main guys that you know, this whole season has been 
drawn around or um, it's, it's been Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. And the question mark has been about their health. And they've both been relatively healthy, even with Brandon Ingram missing, uh, you know, two games after the All-Star break or it may have been three. But I think it was two. Yeah, two after the All-Star break. It's still one of his most, you know, he's on track to play the most games that, that he's played as a, as a New Orleans Pelican. Uh, similar, the same thing can be said for Zion. No real missed games due to injury. You know, he's, I think he's, he's had one or two and he's questionable, but it's been more of a maintenance thing. He's been questionable for about the past 10 to 15 games at this point. Um, so the health of those two guys has been um, one of the things that I think have people in, you know, in good and good standing and look 10 games over 500, you know, it, it's, it's good. It's solid, but you all, but you know, you wonder, and I'm sure that you can kind of relate to this is, you know, once you are in a playoff setting, once you were back in, in, in playing in those kind of games, even though the Pelicans have had some success against some top teams, um, including, including a, a, a few nice wins, what is this team ceiling? And they also have a few things that are, you know, a few question marks that they are going to have to address in the offseason. So I would say a mixed bag, but I would say more good than than bad. So you you speak to the health of this team and specifically yeah. the big three. And mm-hmm. I'll start with CJ. For those Knicks fans that don't know, CJ's played in 43 of 58 games. So he's only missed 50. I say only, but like compared to the past when you might only play 43 games for a Pelicans team, there's there's guys on the team that are like that, which is what, what brings me to Zion, who's played 47 of 58 games. And like if he gets to 60, I I, I wonder if that's a, a bit of an accomplishment. And to your point about Brandon Ingram, 52 of 58 games so far played this season. So, but my next question is you, you hinted at the expectations for this year. Going into it, was it like if we could just see one season of what these guys are healthy, that like I'll I'll settle for whatever happens in the playoffs or was there any postseason expectations put on this year if you got any modicum of health? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and Andrew is weird, you know, because I would say that the uh, people outside New Orleans have a different view than, say, folks that are that are there inside the city or that co- or that follow the team and that are connected to the city. And Chris, and that's and, why we do this pregame podcast. I want you right. to tell me what's inside. So tell and, me and, what's up. You know, and look, and it's kind of the opposite. You know, I've been I've been, um, you know, making content or, you know, writing about the team, talking about the team and a fan of the franchise. You know, overall, you know, since they arrived in New Orleans in 2003, I think at this point. So what what I would say I'm used to is I would used to the city and the region, people that follow the team, feeling a certain type of positivity or certain kind of, you know, maybe feeling like you're not being talked, you know, they're not being talked about enough. They're being um, miscasted in a way or. There's uh, just people that don't watch enough games. Well, now it's kind of like the opposite. I, I would argue people on the, you know, the national media side or people that don't, you know, they watch a game every now and then they look at the Pelicans and say, man, if they if they stay healthy, they're a scary team, a team that can make the Western Conference finals. And now I think. I think for the people in the city, while there are some folks that, that believe this team can get to a Western Conference finals, they are that there are folks that believe that they can win a series. Um, I think there's still a lot of question marks because 
so much of it is 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 around Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson, right? We we talked about health, and I don't want to I don't want to you know ignore CJ McCollum, but this team years ago it became real. Five years ago, you saw early when Brandon Ingram was on the way to being an All Star that it felt like you know, and then shortly after that with Lonzo Ball um, moving on to the Bulls, everything was going to be built around Brandon and Zion. But you never really got to see it fit. And then when you did see them on the floor together, there seems to still be something missing in regards to seeing them being a dynamic duo, a duo that can play together and dominate games. You might look at a box score and you might see Brandon has, um, you know, uh, 25 or Zion has 25 and the other may have may have a bunch of assists or, you know, they, they've and they've had games where they I think this season have, have both scored 30. But a lot of times it's exclusive or it's with the other one out of the game. And we see it so often. Once you get in these playoff series, you got to be able your duo not only has to be able to dominate. They're playing 36, 37, 38 minutes, sometimes 40, 40 minutes a night. You need them to be able to do it together. And I don't think we've seen enough to know exactly if they can do it. If they can, great. But it's just, you really don't know. You could say, I could see this team losing in the first round, six games, seven games. I can also see them winning a series. I could see them with the right matchups, the right cards cards being dealt, being in a Western Conference Finals. You don't know. But if you listen to people on the outside, they're a lot less critical. And I'm not used to that. I'm used to defending you know, I'm used to defending the Pelicans and, and telling, you know, and saying these folks don't watch the, they don't watch the Pelicans. They don't know what's going on. No, people are complimentary of Willie Green and complimentary of David Griffin and complimentary of what could be with the roster and the depth. Things a little bit different when you, you know, kind of close in the lens a little bit. Um, you watch every game and you talk to people that are uh, watching every game in the city. So I'll jump ahead on the rundown because I I asked you about the, I told you I was going to ask you about what a disappointing season looks like. And yeah. I'll just say from my outsider's perspective, they avoid the play-in. Like, say they're the sixth seed, go out in six games, five even, to the Clippers, right? Who are mm-hmm. championship contenders. And I would personally say better than the the Pelicans. Yeah. I, but you got, like, a full season out of Zion. You get, like, six playoff games. You get to see what this looks like. Like that's a, that's a good season to me. Now, if I were to, I'm obviously talking to a Pelicans fan right now, and you have the pulse. I mean, from the more yeah. more of Pelicans fans than I do, is that what a disappointing season looks like for the Pelicans fans? Or, or if you could tell me, what does a disappointing season look like? It's it, it, it's really subjective, man. I mean, I you know I think that there's a you know there's a little bit of a divide, which I'm sure you you can relate to following mm-hmm. following the different level of Knicks fans. I mean, you know, I think. A lot of people forget that this is the fifth fifth year of of Zion, right? This, this is the fifth year of Brandon Ingram being being in New Orleans, the fifth year of the, of the David Griffin regime, and, and and the third year of of Willie Green. Um, and last season felt like you know I I think a success. A lot of people would say coming in is not making the play in, right? Finishing in the top six and having an opportunity there and winning winning a playoff series. I think a lot of people would say that, that that's a success. But that was that felt like the goal last season after they uh, take Phoenix Suns to six games. Right. Get back Zion. He's off to a really good start. You're you know, you're you're at the top or you're in the running um, before the new year and being one of the better teams in the Western Conference. And then things break down. But even before then, 
the conversation was how how does Zion fit into that team that, you know, um, were a, one game away from having a game seven in Phoenix. And then things break down. Brandon misses games. Zion misses games. CJ gets hurt. Um, you know, it, it just, you know, Herb Jones has some has some early struggles offensively. And, you know, you end up back in the play in. You lose to Oklahoma City and you're doing it all over again. So this season's a little a little different because you have a pending extension to look at to for for Brandon Ingram when you may have to pay him fifty million dollars. Is that something that you want to are you able to fully commit in that and trust that, all right, well, you're paying Zion Williamson this amount. You still have CJ McCullum on the books. You're gonna pay Brandon Ingram this amount. You have an option. You know, you know, you have a, a situation with Jonas Valanciunas that you didn't make a move on. What's going to happen there? You're going to have a pending um, extension available for Trey Murphy. You just pay Herb Jones. And they they still have other holes that kind of have been overdue. They have been lingering for a little bit. True backup center, maybe another, you know, maybe a point guard or so. Um, it's just it's tough unless you think this team can really be competitive and go to another level, not lose a game like they did last night against the Bulls um, in which they should have, you know, they should have put them away. Um, finishing games, you know, not n- not just hanging around and winning games against bad matchups or keeping them competitive. Um, it's just, you know, it's tough. You really don't know some nights which Pelicans team you're going to get, even though, they haven't really had a, had a point of the season where they just fell off the map. You know, it was ten. It was a ten game losing streak last season. You know, you know, you haven't had. They may lose two, but then you picture them to you know to win the to win the next. They'll they'll win four. They can't win five straight for whatever reason. They'll win four, <laughs> lose, then win three again, such and such. Um, I just think you want to see if there's a next if there's another level of dominance to see from this team, and then you could be saying, all right, well, you don't care who they play in the playoffs because you give them an opportunity. Like you would say, I think about some of the other teams that have superstar talents, um, you know, or star talents night to night in the Western Conference. So can I ask you like a personal question as a fan? Go ahead. Do you, do you believe they have another level they can get to? Do you believe that they have second round? Um, I don't want to say abilities because I think with the right yeah. matchup, with the right injury, you could anybody can make the second round. But like, right. how confident are you in a second round appearance by the Pelicans? I mean, you know, to me, Andrew is really matchup based. You know, I think if you know, I, what I've been saying, you know, for a while now, if they get anybody in the in the first round that isn't Denver or um, Phoenix, I I think that they can they can get out the first round. Like, you think they can beat the I Clippers? Think, I think I think that they can beat. I, I go back and forth on that, okay. but I think that I think they can. Uh, I'm one day I'll tell you that the Clippers will win. The next day I'll tell you, you know, that I think the Pelicans have a shot. Mm. Um, they beat the Clippers twice, twice in a regular season. But my, you know, my worry is, you know, um, the Clippers have also found a way to be healthy. And, you know, in a series, Ty Lue, seven games, it's tough to, it's tough to bet against that, I would say. But I think against the Clippers, what's interesting roster base is that in the games that the Pelicans have played against the Clippers, there hasn't been an answer for, like, there's not a matchup for Zion. A lot of other teams have someone that, that they can throw out there to give them trouble or so on and so forth. 
the Clippers in the matchup in, in the games the Pelicans have played, and we know the, the playoff series can be totally different than what a team shows and throws at you. But I'd be really curious to see how they end up, you know, combating with that because they've had trouble. They don't know if they're throwing Plumlee out there. They don't know if they're, you know, you know, Zubac isn't isn't the answer. Um, you know, you got um, you know, PJ Tucker was playing in the first game that they ended up playing. I don't know if they if the Clippers have a matchup. They tried to go zone, they tried different things, and when Zion was on, it was just something that they really just couldn't combat with. And I don't know if um there's some other teams that I feel like have other other options to deter him a little bit in a certain certain shape or stage. So I at least give them an opportunity for that series to go seven. But when it comes to the Suns and Denver, I just think that's just really just a bad matchups for for the Pelicans. And they're not alone in that category. So I have to then follow up the because Minnesota and and OKC have been going back and forth for the one seed all year. So you yes. would be confident in a series against either team. Oh oh oh, absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. I, I, okay, yeah. I I think matchup. I mean, again, it's, it's it's all about matchups. Like like you know you know how this goes. I mean, it, it's all about matchups. I mean, I, I you know I think um, that's just I think the Pelicans match up better with with Minnesota. And with Oklahoma City, I think that they have certain elements that can neutralize the things that make those teams great. Clippers are, you know, the reason I'm on the fence about the Clippers, because some nights it just really just comes down to you just, you just got to pray that Paul George misses shots. Or you got to mm-hmm. pray to certain guys because you can't stop everybody. You don't have an option for each guy. They just have too many people that can beat you on ball most nights. Right. You have to hope that, that certain guys have have off nights. I think for you know, when you're talking about the Thunder, you're talking about the Timberwolves, the Pelicans have had some success against those teams in those matchups. But I but I think the way that they're built, it just gives them a stronger opportunity. And it, and those are also they, you know, both teams, Minnesota, Oklahoma City, you know, they have at the head of their, you know, of their table are young talents that have to show that they can win series as well. You know, you're talking about. Anthony Edwards, who still has to has to prove that while he has some experience, can he end up winning a series? I don't believe that he's won one as of yet. Um, I think the last two seasons going back, I think he lost both to both yeah. to Minnesota. I mean, to uh, Memphis and uh, uh, I think Denver. Denver and last then, year, yeah, yeah, and the same the same with the Thunder. I mean, so I think the Pelicans and the Thunder and the Timberwolves—they're all in the same boat. Regular season basketball is one option, you know, versus you know, what the postseason could look like. So I give them a better opportunity for matchup and just overall experience. Anybody can win those series. I think, you know, you pit those, pit those, that group of teams together. I think I agree with you on that last point specifically, that there's a, a regular season version of these teams that I'm confident I have an idea of how good they are, but it, I just don't know what the ceiling is in the playoffs yet. Like Minnesota could be the one seed and I have no idea if it's them against them against Luca in a, in a first round, if the Warriors get to eight, if the Lakers exactly. get to eight, like, am I picking either of those teams to Golden uh, state, you know, right? Like, the Warriors. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I'm, I'm at the point where I, I have no idea what to factor in with the youth in, in OKC. If whether like they're a team that's like a year away from being the team that we, we think they should be. So I'm, I agree with you on that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I guess my, my, my follow-up then about... It, it's going to go back to expectation. It's more of a fallout question then. So, first of all, do you think the front office shares your your sentiment that like this team should make the second round. And if they don't like, let's paint the picture that like they lose, they get the six seed, they lose in six to the Clippers. What happens this off season in your mind? That's the, that's the thing. I, you know, I think that the front office is, is, is with the mindset. I think they, they believe that they're capable. Like I wouldn't be, and that's the thing. I wouldn't be shocked at a bunch of different scenarios. If the Pelicans won their first, won their first round, wouldn't be shocked. If they if they lost in five games, wouldn't shock me. If they make if they end up falling, or as they currently are slated back in a play in, if they get matched up with Golden State um, and Los Angeles and back to back games or something like that, I could see them. I could see them losing. There's a bunch of different yeah. scenarios. And some of it isn't is it you know some of it has to do with just simply how tough the Western Conference is. But you know when you look at the roster. Going back to last, uh, going back to the to the end of last year, there was a lot of betting on internal growth. And certain guys have been able to do it. Herb Jones has been spectacular. Um, I mean, you know, absolutely shooting forty one percent from three. We know what he can do defensively, but he's he he's become more than a role player for this team. Jonas is Jonas Valanciunas is playing very well. Um, Trey Murphy has been kind of disappointing, but some of that is injury related. But I mean, but there's been other guys, Dyson Daniels, Jose Alvarado, just homegrown guys, you know, for the most part, Najee Marshall, um, that they've been reliant on and, you know, drafting Jordan Hawkins, that it's kind of, um, it's impeded their ability, you know, for, like I mentioned earlier, true backup center. And mm-hmm. there were a few guys, a, a few guys that, that are New York Knicks that I was like, man, make a make the call, you know, break it. You know, uh, it just but it never it never materialized. So, I mean, to me, I think that a lot of this season was about, OK, Brandon, OK, Zion, it's on you. It's time for you two to figure it out. They didn't make a bunch of, you know, a bunch of changes. And, I, and then I think around the deadline, they were serious about upgrading once they once the Pelicans were in the spot that they were you know, um, 12 or 11 games over 500. Um, I think if they end up losing, losing in the first round, um, that would probably be enough for a team, you know, for um, a safe organization. I think where the Pelicans are right now, they, they have a, I think a, a, a pattern at this point of being safe. That may be enough for them to say, we're going to go ahead with an extension. We're going to go ahead and quote unquote, run it back with certain guys. But now we'll be serious about throwing some 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 extra assets out there and going to get a you know whatever that final piece is an upgrade here an upgrade there um, because they seem to believe in what it you know they seem to want something that's um, that's stable something that's consistent 
I just don't know. I don't know where the ceiling is for that and what the long term goal is and how it plays out. Because, I mean, we've seen it time and time again. If you don't have if you don't have a guy that's playing like a top five dude in the NBA or a top 10 dude in the NBA, you're not going to win many playoff games. You're not going to win many, many playoff series. So, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, the only way at this point something drastic happens, whether it's popular or not, is if they completely fall flat on their faces and don't make the playoffs, um, whether that be through them going back into the play-in and losing again or them just somehow falling, you know, which I think is completely unlikely, but falling off and not, and not even um, being able to make the play-in. I think that's when you would see something drastic. That was going to be my my follow-up question. My last question on like their ceiling, because we, well, I guess not even their ceiling, but like the outcome of the season. And it's like, I asked you about the what is a disappointment and what might happen if like, in my opinion, one of the best case scenario options, right? Yeah. If the worst case scenario happens, like let's say they're they're the seven eight, they lose the seven eight to Golden State. Golden State gets mm-hmm. seven. Then they lose the eight nine to the Lakers, and they're a lottery team. Is that a nuclear button time? Like, do you foresee that there is an option for the way this season could go that would make a nuclear button where it's like, all right. We don't want to give in Ingram an extension. Zion's available this offseason. Like, is there anything like I, I mean, maybe crazy to suggest that, but I just, I'm outside looking in. Like, is, is there any yeah. hint of a, a chance that they could blow it up if, if this ends in a missing the playoff scenario? Well, I mean, look, I mean, there, there's been, you know, uh, I think during the All Star break, there, there were, you know, there was a ringer report and another report that was saying that the Pelicans are going to have to make a decision between Zion and Brandon in the offseason. You know, and that was that was with the team, you know, feeling feeling pretty good. Seven of eight, you know, going into the, you know, the all-star break. So I think that that question, regardless, has been has been there um, in regards to them having to make a decision there. I think the the most likely, you know, uh, uh, candidate, if they have to choose between Zion and Brandon, of course, will be Brandon, especially with Zion having, you know, either either a having a, just a really lucky, healthy season or changing some things strictly in preparation, you know, um, professional based that is helping him, you know, um, stay on the floor longer. I don't know necessarily about, uh, about his diet left or right, but I do know that he has made some changes in regards to, um, how he prepares for games, how he rests for games, his treatment, his sleep patterns. Some of those things seem to be, um, you know, his, his practice habits, all of those things has improved. So maybe they say there, okay, now we'll completely build this thing around you, Zion, and we're not afraid of a of a complete drop off. We'll add some other pieces next. You know, we'll move a we'll we'll move off of Brandon Ingram, and you know, hey, you know, you're gonna have to pay Trey Murphy, you know, some big money. Maybe he's in the piece at that point. You're putting him in the starting lineup. Herb Jones has been has, has been spectacular. Maybe you go that route. T.J. McCollum has been fine. Maybe you look to upgrade um, at another position and try to improve that way um because i because i i you know i think at the end of the day andrew it is all about zion you know no matter what while brandon ingram has played well um zion's a generational talent so one way or another where you whether you bring brandon ingram back and you give him an extension or you decide to move forward or you decide to move other pieces and parts the destiny of this team their ceiling how far they can truthfully go until proven otherwise, man, it really looks to be all on Zion's shoulders. Um, and it's what kind of 
what his truthful ceiling is at this at this stage as a player in this league and, and when it comes to dominating. And if you can really get a glimpse of that, then that might make everything easier. And not just from who fits next to him, um, but what you're willing to um, accept in the process. If he adds to his game, well, maybe it makes it easier for him and Brandon to play together. Maybe there's another uh, another area or another step that Brandon even can take forward. But all of the pressure, all of the the uh, you know you know the gravity and everything, I think that makes this team um, a matchup nightmare. It since the moment Zion Williamson has been drafted, it's been pointed at him. You know, it makes sense that like your best player, it's all going to fall on on him in the fact that, you know, like it's all it obviously all falls on Jalen Brunson this year. And like yeah. the, the Knicks will go as far as Jalen Brunson potentially takes them. Mm-hmm. Um, what's fascinating, year five in his career. And look, I, I'm sure you, you can understand this because you weren't taking for Zion or your team wasn't taking for Zion in 2018, 19. <laughs> Mine was. So I had all these like aspirations for what year five might look like for Zion. And you actually mm-hmm. got to, to see it play out. Now the injury concerns being what they were. Um, I never thought it would, we'd be year five and he hasn't played a playoff game yet. You know? So I, I think that's look personally, as just an NBA fan. That's the thing I'm looking forward to is a healthy Zion for a playoff series and seeing, you know what that potentially looks like, even if it is just like a play in game, if he has to go through the play in to get there, you know, that would be yep. something I'm I'm fascinated mm-hmm. to see. As far as this matchup is concerned against the Knicks, and this is this goes to the the thing I threw on the rundown that I sent you about identity. Mm-hmm. So I know when we play the Pacers, it's running gun, like transition opportunities left and right. The Knicks are gonna have to either switch everything or try and keep with the pace. I know against the Heat, they're gonna pull things out that you never saw against anybody else. Yeah. And <laughs> it may result in some fisticuffs as I saw against the Pelicans a few day- days ago, which on behalf of Knicks fans, welcome to the world of hating the Miami Heat <laughs> and all of their players. Um, For decades. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So like, there are certain teams that I know have an identity when you play them and you can prepare for them. I, I just, full transparency, I have no idea what the Pelicans identity is. And this is the, they're again, seventh in net rating. They're a good basketball team. I still have no idea what to expect going into this game. So to the Knicks fan that is like me, that Sees they're a good team. Sees like we pay attention to the advanced metrics as well. Like I, I, I'm a fan of Herb Jones. I like Alvarado. Trey Trey Murphy. I, I like Dyson Daniels. Yeah. I like 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 what what can Knicks fans expect from an identity standpoint? How will the Pelicans like match up against the Knicks on Tuesday night? Well, welcome, welcome to the world of a New Orleans Pelicans observer, a so, fan, Andrew. I'll have no fan. idea either. Okay, it, 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 it's, it's <laughs> because because some it, there's there's thoughts. I mean, you know, I'm sure you've heard you know you've heard enough about about Point Zion, you know. But then there's there's Post Zion. There's um you know there's a lot of there's a lot of elbow sets you know for for Brandon Ingram. There's um if CJ McCollum plays. You know, there's a different a different version of CJ McCollum that maybe uh, you know Knicks fans or you know outsiders may not be used to um, for to with him being just completely three point centric now, and mm. you know either 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 three point shooting or you know layups at the rim, you know, or as he would call it the the, the Chris Paul area. Um, he's kind of modified his game, you know, for fitting around Zion and Brandon, um, but. Yeah, I mean, you know, to to answer your question though, night to night is you know it's kind of tough. I think now what they're at least trying to do is they're trying to get the ball in Zion's hands a lot more as a ball handler. They're trying to get him, you know, open, you know, in some 
you know, some early, um, whether it be dribble handoffs or, you know, pick and rolls all, all over the floor, screen set even around the paint area with Jonas, Valanciunas. Um, certain certain matchups they will look to exploit, but I don't think with the the Knicks that will be as prevalent considering there's a, you know, there's more traditional bigs that are that are set there. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, the issue is when you talk about identity is that these guys, you know, the the best guys on the team, when we're talking about the best three players, have not played a ton of basketball together. Mm-hmm. So they don't know 100% how to maximize um, themselves as a, as a trio. They may end up having some really good games, but there's been so many so many games where the Pelicans have dominated as a, as a, uh, as a team um, to where guys that you may not expect to have really, really good nights could be Najee Marshall this night, could be, could be Jose Alvarado, maybe Larry Nance has a good night. You know, maybe maybe Trey Murphy goes off. Herb Jones has been has been a constant. Maybe Jonas Valanciunas um, dominates. I mean, the list go. Matt, Matt Ryan scored fourteen points yesterday against the against the Bulls, and then you have Jordan Hawkins. So they um, and some of those games you look up and no one scores twenty, and they win by twenty. You know, so um, I think at their heart, what they would like to do is that you know they would at their core they would like to play like to play with pace. They want the basketball in Brandon or Zion Williamson's hands to make final decisions as whether it be scoring or distributors. There's going to be a lot of when Zion gets the basketball, trying to kick off the shooters. His assists have went completely up over the past months. Another game yet yesterday, where I believe he had 11 assists, he had nine assists. Um, I believe the game the game prior, Brandon Ingram's a guy who who can get you six or seven assists. But that's the ultimate goal. They want their guys to get downhill. They're going to live in a pain. They're a good three-point shooting team, but some nights they don't shoot enough of them. Um, and, so and now with certain guys being uh, being suspended, no no Jose Alvarado, you're going to mm. see more, more Jordan Hawkins. But sometimes you really don't know. You look up, um, and again, it's just someone who's having a game that you're not expecting. I think a really good defensive team um, – but offensively, you know, I, you know, for the Knicks, especially with Julius Randle out right now, look, Preston, you got to go get us 30. You know, it's just, you know, we, you know, now, now, now there's guys that maybe Pelicans, Pelicans fans may not know 100% that they're playing at the level that they are playing at. DiVincenzo, for example, who, you know, who's having a hell of a year. Um, of course, Pelicans know Josh Hart. Josh Hart. Know, but yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, they know, they know Josh Hart. But um, that's just, that's just the reality, man. I think they're trying their hardest to figure out a way where Brandon and Zion can play off of each other and use each other. You see it in certain spurts, but then they have moments where they just fall apart, turn, lose focus and turn the ball over for four or straight times in a row. I'm not making this up. Four or five straight times in a row, you know, lose rebounding battles. And then, you know, it's kind of, you know, they're in trouble. So, um, but ultimately, if we're talking about an identity, I think what they would like to do is get downhill, get to the paint, get teams in foul trouble offensively and kick it out, kick it out to shooters when when need be. And in that fourth quarter, they want to take advantage of the fact of the of the abilities that they have in regards to getting to the rim, specifically Zion, where teams are tired, when teams are probably tired of fouling him, when teams are tired of um, of contesting and crowding the paint leading to him getting layups that he probably won't get in the first or second quarter. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's how I view it. So it's interesting. You say all that. First of all, let's just clarify who's suspended for this game. Who's not playing. You said Alvarado, anybody else not playing? Um, I think, I think Najee Marshall was only, was only suspended a game. So, so, so he'll be back. 
Dyson Daniels is has been hurt. Uh, he he tore his meniscus a couple weeks ago, so he won't be available. Oh, he's out. Yeah, right. Um, uh, he's out. Zion Williamson is questionable, but I do. It's no way he's not playing in New York. The Garden. In New yeah, York. <laughs> yeah. There's no way he's not playing. He'll he. Does that, that bother you? How outwardly complimentary of msg he is obviously like we we remember i'm sure you remember the way i do the draft the the lottery night video of him like being just my opinion he was disappointed that the knicks weren't oh man look look andrew i live in the reality if you i'm just making sure i didn't want to see it's disrespectful if you if you asked him if you asked him i don't know how he feels now but if you asked him uh, during the lottery, where he wanted to play, and his options were the Atlanta Hawks, the you know the New York Knicks, or the New Orleans Pelicans. I I bet you the Pelicans were last on that list. You know, it's yeah. just I don't I don't you know I don't um there isn't. I mean, even when he was with Duke, you know, I re- I remember the question in the locker room about playing for the Knicks and him and him smiling. He loves playing in that place. He openly said it like. I think he said out. He said it's my favorite place, and he stopped himself for for brand purposes. He said outside of New Orleans, of course. Yeah, yeah, I remember because it was the right thing to say. But yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's okay. And he's had some really good performances in in Madison Square Garden. So I don't, I don't. uh, That doesn't that doesn't bother me, at all, man. Good. Well, so with that that factored in that he's absolutely he's questionable, but we'll we'll answer the question for you. He's probably going to play in this game. the Knicks are a team that just uh, they pride themselves on their rim protection. Like if they're going to do something to they're going to take away something, it's going to be the paint. Um, yep. They crash the boards like crazy. Like they they play this drop coverage. So they've, they've switched a little bit more recently or tried to switch a little bit more recently. Mm. But um, that's why I think they're they're actually perfect for a team. They're perfect to stop, quote unquote, a Zion Williamson or a team that lives in the paint and tries to get to the rim now. No Mitchell Robinson, New Orleans native. Um, no yep. Julius Randle's not really a rim protector, but he's just like a big body that you have to get through. I'll say Precious Achua has been a revelation defensively yeah. <laughs> that we just like didn't expect to expect to happen when that was a throw-in in the in yeah. an OB trade. Uh, he's so going to be a Zion matchup. So you figure between him and Hartenstein, and then with Sims and and. Um, and heart crashing the boards as well. I look if the Knicks can control the boards. I actually think I I like their matchup in this game. It's the the offensive side of the ball because like Herb Jones, if if they just want to go one on one and put him on Brunson, that's going to make his night hell. If they have the audacity to blitz Brunson and make somebody else beat you, I don't know who else is beating you. Uh, the Knicks do a lot of things to try and get Brunson open, but. Um, you know, like we've seen teams succeed, like the Celtics in particular, just like have had a ton of success of like just making somebody else try to beat you, and though that yeah. nobody did. Uh, right. So I'd be curious. So that's the thing that that's giving me pause on having like full confidence in this game as a Knicks fan is the when I go through all the different rankings for the Pelicans or just throughout the mm-hmm. league, I'm looking for what your top five or six in, and being a top yeah. six defense is like okay. They will, yeah. will struggle to score in this game. So is that a fair, like that before I go to my last question, is that a fair, like fear to have that? Like, okay, if this is, if this is one Oh five, one Oh five with two minutes left, I, sh- I should be very afraid because well, you're not afraid because the Knicks, I, I'll be confident with Brunson, but like a game in the one Oh fives is what the Pelicans are going to try to play on Tuesday night. Yeah. 
Unfortunately, uh, just the, a team with with the with the offensive talent that they have, they should that should not be a reality. I think a lot of this does does also have to do with with if, if CJ McCollum plays, who is, okay. who is questionable. I kind of I do expect him to play as well, but he he is questionable. Um, you know, and here's the thing: what I'm curious about the most, and this is why I think the most, ironically, the most important Nick player on this team tomorrow is going to be Bogdanovich. Mm. Because the Knicks looking at them, I don't think they have a matchup for Brandon Ingram. I don't think they have they ha- I think they have really good options, but not options with with the height and the length that they would. Right. Maybe from a team defensive perspective that they can probably that they could probably throw at them if OG and Anobi was healthy. It wouldn't even be a question. If OG was healthy, then he's I the mean, skeleton can, key. If he if he's available, exactly. you throw him on anybody, and you're probably but with, good. Yeah. But without him, I think that's what's going to be interesting. Like certain teams matchup wise, they have both. Certain teams have have somebody that they can ideally throw, you know, at you know, on on Zion. I think in this case, it makes sense. You're gonna bracket him. You're still gonna you're still going to um, you know, you're gonna have a bunch of people collapse in the paint, but but I envision Precious being being the one with the Zion matchup, and then you having Hardenstein being able to shade there at the rim, Jericho Sims. That's a decent blueprint for mm-hmm. Zion. I would say most time. I don't know if it will be effective a hundred percent, but I think um, you know I kind of like that. I've also liked the way Hardenstein has played um, in matchups, even dating back to his Clippers days against mm-hmm. Jonas Valanciunas. But the question, to, the question for me, similar to what you asked about Jalen Brunson, is going to be who gets the Brandon Ingram matchup, and if you have enough from from a, from a height and a list perspective. I remember when Josh Hart was a Pelican, there would be games where the Pelicans just just didn't have enough or the right wing defender. And this was before Herb Jones, where you know you look up and Josh Hart would be guarding LeBron James, and I say, oh no, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, Josh Hart's going to give you everything that he has there, but it's just. I mean, there's only so much he can do. He can't. He's not built to guard James Harden. He's not built to guard, you know, uh, um, um, you know, uh, a LeBron James or a Tatum in the in or a Tatum. Yeah. He just, I yeah. mean, he, he he's gonna try. He's going up. You know, he he's a scrappy defender, but he isn't necessarily a lockdown. He, OG Ananobi, different story. And I think out of that, Andrew, I, I um, how the Pelicans guard Brett Brunson is gonna be interesting. Similar to what you mentioned about about the Knicks, it's gonna be a bunch of drop coverage. Jonas Valanciunas has gotten much better. He's he, he's playing the best defense that I've seen him play as a as a Pelican, specifically in space, which is going to be interesting. But I I think Jalen Brunson is going to have a lot of opportunities. I don't know how much of a back to back, you know, we're playing on a back to back will will matter. We'll play it as you know, you're still in a dogfight kind of with the, with the Detroit Pistons. That's going to be interesting. That's why but I'm hoping that at some point in the fourth quarter of the game that's happening right now, the Knicks pull away yeah. so Brunson doesn't have to play 40 minutes. Um, yeah. And this isn't like the, you sweat it out with the Pistons and then you can get run yeah. off the court by the Pelicans, you know? Yeah, I mean, but, but you know, I'll say this. I think, you know, guys like Bogdanovich, uh, Burks, who always kills, I feel like he always kills the Pelicans. No matter what team he's mm. played on, he's played on the Jazz, plays on the Pistons. Like he, he, he always. So even dating back to his days with the, the first run with the Knicks, always seems to have good games. Bogdanovich too, when when he was in Utah, would always give the Pelicans problems. I think those guys that are gonna have opportunities. Um, we know these role players play better at home. Those guys that are that are having chances to shoot. Which could be some wide open threes that the Pelicans probably sell out to stop some of the things that Brunson wants to do. They're going to be key. 
and then rebounding Pelicans have lapses where they just don't rebound. Well, there mm-hmm. isn't a guy they, you know, they don't, they're only traditional big off the basis, Cody Zeller. And if you're throwing, throwing out Jericho Sims and you're throwing out, um, if, if they don't have, if they're not running small lineups, Larry Nance may struggle. And you got guys like Josh Hart, who are great rebounders for their size. DiVincenzo, those 50, 50 balls. It's what killed them against the bulls. Um, you know, you know, the other night and other games throughout, they, 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 they haven't played well in the cluster close games either. If the Knicks come out with the right energy and they're able to, their role players are able to knock down shots, I, you know, I'd be looking at this game and saying, okay, this, this might be a struggle for New Orleans tonight. We'll see. It could be that in the margins like that, where Bogdanovich and Burks and a lot of the Knicks role players, as you mentioned, are just hitting shots, that yeah. this is a night that like the Knicks are, Knicks are hitting everything and they shot 45% from three. It's a recipe. It could also yeah. just be that the Knicks would have the, in my opinion, either the best or the 1A design. I personally would take Brunson, but I'm understandably biased. Um, but like this, the Pelicans have two, the, 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 the next two best players. Like the, the Pelicans have Zion and Ingram, and we don't. So we, we could potentially just, it could, could boil down to that. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Last thing before I let you get out of here, I hinted at the Mount Rushmore of rivals. I'm always asking, like, like I have the heat I mentioned earlier. The Pacers stick out to me. There's the Boston, Philly, and now Toronto thing that yeah. I have to pay attention to because of the trade that the Knicks made. Who are the rivals? The four teams that you consider the Pelicans' biggest rivals from over the years throughout franchise history. You know, I'm assuming the Hornets are on there because of the the shared you know, you, you took their team and, and yeah, I don't know about took, but like the team moved yeah. to New Orleans. But I got you. In your opinion, who are the four, the Mount Rushmore rivals for the Pelicans? So, uh, you know, I was I was thinking about this when you sent this and it, it, it's, you know, it's crazy. It's just a different in franchises, man. This, this, this isn't a team that has had very long, you know, uh, consistent runs with certain with certain eras. They don't mm-hmm. feel like they last long and they haven't been, cons- you know, they haven't been consistent when it comes to winning. So it's really hard to create rivals if there isn't, you know, high, high levels of, you know, competition at play consistently. If you're winning one year, they're not winning the next, they're not winning again, they're not doing this. It's hard. A lot of the, a lot of the rivals that you end up mentioning, they all come from playoff basketball, right? You don't get, you know, Reggie Miller and the Pacers, you know, against the Knicks and everything without a playoff basketball. We don't even talk about the Miami Heat if we're not, you know, talking about Jeff Ga- Jeff Van Gundy being dragged, mm-hmm. you know. Um, uh, you know morning's uh, yeah, leg. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you don't you don't get the Bulls and, you know, and all, all those things matter without the iconic playoff series, you know, they kind of r- match, match with them. 
Um, I think for New Orleans, it, there there was a period of time where it felt if I had, I'm gonna do my best to pick some here. If I had to, so I mean, it's kind of fan made, you know. Um, I yeah, think, I get it. I think Memphis, Memphis was one. Um, Memphis Zion, is definitely one. John Zion is the yeah. There. Okay, but but then they're close in proximity. Yeah. Uh, they have a lot of similarities in in, in regards to cities. Um, and I think people were excited about how their teams were being built, both small markets. Like, you know, um, when, when John Morant comes to New Orleans, it feels like he's at home. Like, you know, it just, you know, he has a lot of people in the city that love him. He spends a lot of time, you know, in New Orleans more than you, you know, than I would expect. So that's a rivalry. It's not that far. It's not that long of a drive, you know, from one, you know, from one A to one B. So I would say that's, that's one of the rivalries. One of the older rivalries, maybe the San Antonio Spurs, um, just was always, always something. They didn't back to the, to the Chris Paul uh, days. That mm. was the team that yeah. uh, stopped the Pelicans from having their only West Coast Western Conference Finals appearance, Game Seven. They, you know, they ended up losing. That's two. The Los Angeles Lakers, you know, um, the AD of it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A- everything, everything involving Anthony Davis and that and that situation is always something when people are ex- excited. New Orleans also for forever has had Laker fans. It just it's, it's just a thing. So you might have a they're everywhere. So. Yeah, <laughs> like, what <laughs> at the Garden when the Knicks played the Lakers a couple of weeks ago, about a month ago? Yeah. It was like a sold out crowd, and the Knicks fans were loud. And then the last three minutes, you heard the Lakers fans, you know, yes. erupt suddenly. Yeah, know? I think the Suns were on the way because of that playoff series, especially when they had Chris Paul. Um, I think, and then, and then last season. The Zion dunk, um, you know, uh, that's, you know, uh, caused a little, a little animosity and, it, you know, players, players went back and forth. Booker comes back, drops 52 the next game. But that series, I think, I think the Suns were, were close. And then now it's completely different with, with Kevin Durant. I would have liked it to be the Utah Jazz, but that never happened. Um, I, I'm, I'm telling you, man, I can't, I can't think of when I have a, I have a rivalry of my own with, with the Sacramento Kings. Mm. You know, um, what's that about? I just don't think that they're that good. Oh, okay. So it's a, it's a, <laughs> I just don't think, yeah, I just okay. don't think that it's a take yeah. rivalry. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. I, I just don't, I just don't think that they're, that they're that good. And it so happened that the Pelicans have beaten them, I, I believe four times now this season. So, uh, you know, that's a little rewarding. Um, I think who will be the, the rivalry. I, I don't have a fourth team for you, but if I had to say who would, you know, I'll do this for you. If I had to pick somebody who I think could slash will be a rivalry, I think the Oklahoma City Thunder will be that team. Mm, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think I think the Thunder will be that team. Do you want to like put the Miami Heat there as a placeholder because of the fight the other night? <laughs> Until we well, get to I'm, the playoffs, <laughs> Andrew, it, it, it was crazy to me watching as many. I all across my timeline was people circling the next date. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I it's mean, fun, ain't it? Can't wait till we go to even, South Beach. Yeah, it's <laughs> I, like I know now that they play March twenty second. There's no mm-hmm. reason they're supposed to be circled in my brain now. But Chris? now you know. Yeah, yeah. God. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Well, so that's like literally the point of this question is like the dates you circle on the calendar before the season. 
and you officially that their arrival. I'm calling it. The Heat are officially. <laughs> it may like be a two game rivalry, you know, because I unless you two meet in the finals, which I'm not at putting it past the Miami Heat to make the finals again. You like yeah. you never can. Like it's just as a Knicks fan that's been scorned by them too many times. You have to consider them, but yeah. um, you know, I, I if you want to share my animosity or, or temporarily <laughs> uh, feel the same animosity for the Heat. Uh, it's fun when to hate against them, even though sometimes they end up beating you anyway. Uh, yeah, the because the Heat beat you guys last he year. It is right? in the playoffs. Yeah. What's annoying is that they were. I've talked to a couple of people. Like the Knicks just played the Celtics, and we when I did a pregame pod for the Celtics, like who are you afraid of? I'm I'm not ruling out the Heat because they'll show up, be less talented than you. And you'll be looking up. It's like, how do we lose this series? Like, you'll win 57 games with Giannis and I'll talk to a Bucks guy and be like, yeah. And then suddenly our coach is fired and our season's over. You know, like that's just how that you'll just look up and suddenly they're winning. So, you know, I'm glad. Uh, Enjoy the hating the heat, though. That is like a fun thing to do. You know, I will say this, Andrew. I'm I'm as we wrap up. I'm glad. I'm glad you hit me up because. um uh, who was it? Bob Myers mm-hmm. um, ironically compared the Knicks. He said they're the Pelicans and the of the Pelicans, East. yeah. We don't I don't get to hear shit like that very often. <laughs> I, I don't get to hear the Pelicans of of anything that you know that isn't, you know, next to something, you know, um uh you know terrible. So yeah. to you know to hear that you know a team a team in New York and then shortly after that you get you get you get you get fun with Stephen A. Smith. So um yeah man awesome it's it's funny that you took that as like, oh, wow, we're the Knicks of the West. And we were like, we're the Pelicans of the East. Like, it's a complete <laughs> different reaction <laughs> to the to the comment. Uh, Chris, this was fun. I'm glad I'm, I'm glad we got to link up for this before you wrap. Before we wrap up, please let the fine folks at home know where they can find you and all of your stuff. Please. Uh, my name across pretty much every every social media is is Impatient Bull. Um I, you know, you, you can follow everything that we're doing at Boot Crew Media. I also want to say this while, while I do have Pelican Spaces in my name and I was trying and I'm going to, it's, it's going to happen. I'm going to get, I'm going to get Stephen A. Smith on a space. I, ah, I had, okay. yeah, yeah. I was able to get to get Oh, there's Kendrick like a Perkins. rivalry with the Pelicans and Stephen A. right now, right? Like their social media has been taking him behind the woodshed lately. Uh, and he he came out and, and gave the Pelicans 10 minutes. He, he gave wow, the Pelicans okay. wow. 10 10 minutes of a response on his show today. So, you know, sh- shout out to that. Uh, but while, you know, I do have spaces in my bio and I I, I do want to give credit, to, you know, and love to, to Rocky, Charles and um, and Faloran, who pretty much have taken over the day to, you know, the game to game recap of, you know, of the spaces. So so if you're checking in, you'll see me in there every now and then. But they they are the ones that are, that are keeping us alive these days. I just try to if, if I can get a big time player, a big time guest like Stephen A, like, you know, such and such, um, you know, that's when I kind of kind of chime in again. But um, you can follow everything that we're doing with with Boot Crew Media, uh, post game, post game live shows, in person shows, you know, private individual content, all those things. And yeah, man, appreciate you for having me on again. Absolutely. Thank you, Chris, for joining me. And everybody, thank you for tuning in to this edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. We do this before every game, like to get a look at the other team from the other fan base's perspective. If you enjoyed it, please give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes if you're listening. If you watched it, please like the video. Remember to subscribe. I will be back on Thursday morning before the Knicks take on the Golden State Warriors. But until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Enjoy the game tonight, and I will speak with you soon. 